At its heart, productive thinking is about freedom. It's a way of escaping from the tyranny of the silken track. Sometimes, of course, there's real value in following the procession. It can be useful and efficient to do things the way they've always been done. Clearly, social conventions, thinking conventions, and best practices have very important and powerful places in our lives. They represent a type of thinking I call reproductive thinking, which I'll discuss in more detail in Chapter 3. In many areas of our lives, there is nothing wrong with reproductive thinking. After all, the behavior of the processionary caterpillar has been a successful survival mechanism for millions of years. Nevertheless, as Fabre observed, there are times when reproductive thinking can be counterproductive and even disastrous. As I will try to demonstrate throughout this book, all of us have the potential to think better, more productively, and more creatively. What we need is the incentive. The silken track is alluring, it's safe, it's easy, and in many cases it works just fine. Rarely will you be criticized for sticking to it. No wonder most people are content to play follow the leader. Thinking better is hard work, it can be risky, and it can certainly make you unpopular, so why bother? I think there are three good reasons. There's plenty of room for improvement. Nothing is perfect. The word is full of things we can do better. I once heard the systems thinker Dr. George Ainsworth Land tell a story that changed my life. Land worked as a consulting psychologist to school systems throughout the country. In preparation for one assignment, he was given a tour of an Arizona high school by its principal. On their walk through the halls, they saw two boys fighting in front of their lockers. One of the boys was the aggressor, pounding furiously on the other boy, who was trying to defend himself. The principal grabbed both boys by the collar, marched them into his office, sat them down, calmed them down, then turned to the aggressor and asked, Why were you hitting Brian like that? The boy looked up and said, Because I couldn't think of anything else to do. I couldn't think of anything else to do. What a statement. How much misery do we cause and endure in our personal lives, our business lives, our community lives, and our geopolitical lives because we can't think of anything else to do, because we can't find better options, because we act and react according to our time-worn, limited, and limiting patterns? How much better would our lives, our businesses, our world be if only we could think of better things to do, if only we could increase our options, if only we could truly think productively? Wouldn't it be great if we could avoid the processionary caterpillar syndrome in which we do things just because we can't think of better things to do? As you'll see later in the book, the productive thinking process uses a series of trigger questions to stimulate thinking about issues. One of the stems we use to construct those questions is, wouldn't it be great if? I've listed six challenges in each of three areas, global challenges, business challenges, and personal challenges. Read through them and count how many you think it would be great to answer yes to. Global Challenges Wouldn't it be great if We could find a cure for AIDS. We could produce clean, reliable, renewable energy. We could eliminate famine. We could preserve freshwater supplies. We could reduce air pollution. We could end war. Business Challenges Wouldn't it be great if My company could be quicker to market with new ideas. I got more recognition for my ideas and contributions. I could take the guesswork out of hiring good people. My company could learn more about our markets and competitors. I could have more time to be productive and creative. My company could develop a breakthrough product or service. Personal Challenges Wouldn't it be great if I could make more time for myself? My family could settle differences better. I could find a way to earn what I need by doing something that gives me satisfaction.
My family could communicate better. My family could make the most of the time we spend together. I could find ways to be of greater service to my community. If you answered yes to just one of these questions, you have a good reason to learn how to think better. The Indian philosopher Nisargadatta Maharaj once said, Everything is perfect just as it is, and there's plenty of room for improvement. I don't know anyone who doesn't believe that his or her life or the lives of others couldn't be improved. Wouldn't it be great if we could think of ways to do so? The good news is that every one of these questions and countless thousands more can be addressed by thinking better, more clearly, more creatively, more productively. We can all do better. The first step is to start thinking better. It's not what you know, but how you think. In 1969, Peter Drucker coined the term knowledge economy in his book The Age of Discontinuity.